Come on, come on, we're still in this. We're still in this. Just hop, hop. Gotcha. Come on. Just need a little loan. Some. What? You serious, Charlie? A loan, something. A couple hundred, a few hundred, whatever you got. Huh? You know I'm good for it, all right? Look, I know you, man. And as much as I like you, dude, you're a bad bet, brother. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to You, Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And this time we are going to be discussing the Academy Award-nominated film Real Steel with Hugh Jackman and Evangeline Lilly. Was it really nominated? It was for visual effects. Ah, okay. Yes. The movie is loosely based on the Richard Matheson short story Steel, which we also read, uh, and the short story was also adapted into a Twilight Zone episode, so we'll talk about all three. Also called Steel. Sounds good. Yeah. So this is our second Matheson, which is cool, because we did I Am Legend. I like the short stuff. I actually read the entire Steel and other stories. I think you did too. I read sections of it, not everything. Oh, okay. Right. And then James read Steel and the Wedding. Too. The Wedding one. The wedding was funny. <laughs> did you read that one? No. Where the guy's all superstitious and he's trying to to make sure that they don't jinx their their marriage in any way, and and uh, so he does all these outlandish mm-hmm. things. I can't even remember any of the examples, but then things like rice throwing or yeah. Making sure they're not getting married on a Tuesday or on in you know married on a Sunday a Sunday oh, that's what yeah. yeah and and then at the end he picks his wife up to to carry her over the threshold and has a heart attack and dies <laughs> 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 I thought that was awesome um, but I mean you, you had commented that a lot of the Matheson stuff was was kind of horror based more than science fiction that was based on research I was doing uh, on him as an author okay so. Uh, if you go to his Wikipedia page, they have a listing of everything of his that has ever been adapted. And I went, oh, a lot of this must be science fiction. And I started reading about some of it, and a lot of it is fairly horrific. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking about you know your anti-horror proclivities and whether True. we should really review it or not. Right. And I thought, you know, we can always add it and mark it as horror if we don't like it. Or Yeah. We can do whatever we want. You know, we, we covered The Secret Life of Walter Mitty as a Christmas movie and science fiction, which it's neither. So True. Yeah. But what was really cool. It, was. it did have snow in it. Parts True. Of it. And Boris Karloff. And right. Boris Karloff. The original, anyway. Anyhow, I'm not sure that there's any particular reason to talk about the story and the Twilight Zone. I think we can kind of cover them together, because they're virtually it's, identical. It is pretty darn faithful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the story, how long is it? 15, 20 pages? Yeah, if 30? that. Yeah, like 20 pages or I so. mean... Y- Remember, we're going to spoil it. So yeah, uh, it will take you 20 minutes to read. It will take you 25 minutes to watch the Twilight Zone episode. And it will take you approximately two hours and seven minutes to watch the uh, movie. Yeah. There's no reason to get spoiled on this is what we're saying. We always, we always tend to spoil stuff. So, And we're going to do it this time. Right. Yes, we are. But I think we could summarize all three. There, there, is a, there are some common points. True. You, you want to go ahead and take it? Yeah, let me do it. And if I go too long, you and Jimmy can cut me off. Cool. Fair enough. Uh, there's an ex-boxer, and he's an ex-boxer because there was a rule passed saying that you can't do human boxing any longer. And so the new way of having boxing is do it with robots. And robots. he has... Robots. Robots. Thank you. And he is uh, he has purchased a robot and is trying to get a bout. Yeah, I, I really did enjoy in the Twilight Zone 
episode, there's there's often a little interlude with Mr. Serling himself, and I like the way he, right. and battling Maxo as a robot. Yes. <laughs> I love that pronunciation. There, the, the Incomparable has a very brief uh, series called Robot or Not, where they'll talk about, you know, Cylons or whatever. Are they robots or aren't they? Uh-huh. Um, and the other day they had a discussion about the proper pronunciation of robot versus oh, robot and robot. Robot, robot, robot. Right. So they I'd came down to the side curious to know of, when it changed. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> in all the old stuff that we've seen, it's, right. it's robot. Robot. I mean, the day the earth stood still, yeah. it totally was. So there's washed up boxer. He bought himself a robot, <laughs> and uh, he's he's looking for a bout. Right. Yeah. So it turns out his robot is actually old and out of shape. It's also washed up. Yeah. And is also washed up. And now we're only talking about the story and the Twilight Zone adaptation. Right. Right. And uh, they managed to get a bout out in the middle of the sticks with a brand new B five. B five. Wasn't it B five? That was B seven. It's a seven. It's a seven. It's it's a seven. seven. Yeah. B seven because it's a B four. The starter B7. All the glitches. Right. All the glitches, yeah. So one thing that I've, I've really struggled with, and in fact, I asked your wife and son this question, mm-hmm. is what is the point of the story? Right. Because sometimes I think the story, it, it, sets, a, it sets a vignette. It, it tells something about mm-hmm. what we see. Other times it's got a point to it. Mm-hmm. And um, that Twilight Zone little you know, interlude that he, Mr. Sterling always puts in there usually tells me what this is about. And uh, when I read the short story, I was looking for some things to come out in the Twilight Zone adaptation, and I didn't see it quite as strongly as I wanted to see it. And so I'm, I'm going to call you guys out here. What do you think the short story and the Twilight Zone episode are about? Is it is it a vignette? Is there a moral or a point to the story? Or what's it what's it really about? Yeah. I was kind of wondering the same thing. I, was, I asked myself that too. I think it was actually yesterday, because I was trying to think of... Uh, whether or not you would like the Twilight episode, <laughs> given how faithful it was or not yeah. faithful. <laughs> well, it's not, no pun intended, as hard-hitting as a lot of the... Boy, right. that's awful. That's a terrible pun. But, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of them really gut-punch you right at the end, right? And kind of are bleak and hopeless and mm-hmm. humanity is doomed kind of thing. Where this one, I feel like, has a little bit of an uplifting character to it. Because it's showing to what lengths he will go to... To continue on, the kind of the fighting human spirit, you know. So, hopeless cause, and he still gets in the ring, right? The Gimli thing, right? The Gimli Small thing. chance of success? Uh, certainty of death? What are we waiting for? Right. I think I got that backwards. I did. <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of feel like there's some uplifting stuff there-ish. Did you notice fight times changed between the short story and Twilight episode? episode? I did not notice that. In the short story, I think, it, I believe it was 8 p.m. And then the Twilight Zone episode is 9 p.m. Oh, were you expecting me to make a big deal out of it not being 8 p.m.? <laughs> yes. I am eight totally o'clock in the, 8 o'clock in the evening. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's just my mood, but I thought the story was more about obsession and the hopelessness of obsession. Yeah, there's definitely that element, too. And that's kind of the more Twilight zone thing, right? He just can't, he can't let go. Yeah, it's like he's a washed-up right. boxer and he's living through this B2 whose time has really come and gone. Um, just like him. Just like him. They're, he can't even get replacement parts. Mm-hmm. I steel, I don't know, even know if they make oil paste anymore. Right. Yeah, I guess for me it came down to a kind of illustration of human desperation, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, the lengths he was willing to go to to right. you know, keep battling Maxo. Keep going, I guess, yeah. 
Well, so I, I guess I really enjoyed the story. I thought it, I thought it was fun, even though it does kind of have a little kind of an elusive, mm-hmm. um, you know, what's the point here that he gets in the ring with the with the robot and doesn't have any kind of good tactics at all. Doesn't load his gloves up with cement or something, right. you know? <laughs> no. um, yeah, I was, I was, to me, I was wondering, well, the robots couldn't be that badass because he didn't die. <laughs> right. <laughs> if proper robot, he should have died. <laughs> so the, I feel like in in a way, you you know that I'm. I'm not the biggest proponent of the slavishly faithful adaptation, right? Mm-hmm. And in this one, the the main thing that I feel like the television show does not as well as the story is depicting the actual fight. Um, just yeah, because it, right. I found it more exciting in the in the story, where they're well, limited. Yeah, I think limited that's to the difference between the visual and the yeah written, right? Because yeah, the writing they're describing like every punch and every move, right? As opposed to the Twilight Zone episode, you're just watching it and it's. Not quite as ex- it wasn't quite as exciting either, in my opinion. Yeah, but then like well. showing showing the, Lee Marvin, I thought was tremendous in the episode, and showing the effects of it after you know where he he's like get the robe you know get right. covered with the robe and oh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was effective, you know, showing that he's probably got a serious concussion here and might die um, <laughs> on the bus back to where to Philly, right? Yeah. Right. Um. So m- my wife wondered why. Uh, Steel and the mechanic, why they were so sweaty, because it seemed like they were sweaty and nobody else was. And from the story, I get the impression it's really hot in Maynard, Kansas. Yeah, right. But they don't mention that in the television show. And so they're just sweaty for no apparent reason. And I, so um, oh, yeah. to, to me, like to be slavishly faithful, you would have had some comment about how hot it was or just not have them be sweaty. So and then it wouldn't be slavishly faithful. You'd omit the fact that it was hot and they were sweaty, but it, it's like they went halfway. They're like, "Well, we're going to make them sweaty, but we're not going to tell anybody why." Maybe if you live there, you're used to it. Could be. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What do you guys think of the makeup effects for for Battle and Maxo and the Maynard uh, Maynard? What was it? Oh, Maynard Flash. Maynard, Maynard Flash. Flash. Yes. The makeup? You mean like the the mask? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it wasn't a total mask, I and mean, it was just like over the over the eyes, and yeah, they had the, kind yeah, of the Stepford right. Wives eyes thing going. True. With the lenses, yeah. Right. Yes. Um, I thought it was really cool, actually, for for the time. I, it did I, make him look fake, like he would have been a robot. Yeah, a robot. Yeah, it's one of those cases where non beautiful makeup actually enhances the effect of of not right, being human. Right. Yeah. I like I liked the sound effects that they used. You know, there was like a literal warning. <laughs> oh, when his arm broke? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> when the spring popped. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like something broke in a pinball machine. And I do I do like uh Steele's rap, you know, when he's in, in the manager's office and he's like, Oh, you know, he was he had a shot at the title back in the day. You know, I was a boxer too, you know, they called me Steel Kelly. And I right. like just that that you did have that reek of desperation off of him. Yeah. And the and the mantra, it's a starter B seven. Yeah, yeah, he was kinda like a flaws. used car salesman. Yeah. Desperate used car salesman. Used car salesman trying to meet his monthly quota. <laughs> I thought, you know, the Twilight Zone was never a, a huge budget show, I think. Sure. Um, mm. And so when they got off the bus and they're obviously wheeling around a mannequin right. on roller skates. Yes. Um, yeah. And then they then they get him into the restaurant and he sits down and then he's obviously a person in a luchador mask kind of <laughs> thing. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know if I liked, I didn't really like the roller skate thing. I think I would have preferred to see a cart of some sort. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm like... When when um, the mechanic is then taking steel into the match, he, mm-hmm. he's got steel under the under the robe and everything with the roller skates on, and it right. looks much more real. So I'm yeah. like, why couldn't you have done that earlier? But yeah, you had to pay Lee Marvin extra, I guess, to so. put on the roller <laughs> yeah. skates. Well, they yeah. had to replace the the wheel a couple times, right? Um, I thought that was foreshadowing about the wheel coming off. <laughs> the wheels are beginning to fall off. Yes, yeah, right. yeah. I mean, it, 
it's not going to go well. Now you know what you need to do. Well, what we really need is to combine steel and rollerball. Robot rollerball. <laughs> How awesome would that be? Huh? You can't see this, but I'm just shaking my head in negation at Seth. <laughs> I missed the scene where they're in the, in the taxi, getting from the bus station to the... It had him kind of getting off a bus or, or a streetcar like or something, right? Yeah, and he's, he's talking up the cabbie. And it, it, to me, it reinforces just how much he lives in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, so having that done and done and done really establishes Steel as a character for me. And I would have liked to have seen that. Although you only got, they only have 25 minutes, so it's not yeah. a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. You can't even get the accuracy for the 8 p.m. Right. Start time. What kind of outfit is this? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought that the, uh, the like two actors in the crowd who, who were the only two actors in the crowd with yeah. speaking lines were <laughs> really enjoying their parts. <laughs> they paid them extra for that. I definitely recommend the story. I think it's, it's, it's worth looking at. And since, uh, Twilight Zone is on Netflix, it's, right. it's worth looking up episode two of season five. Yes. So it's the episode before Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, which is kind of one of the more iconic ones. So, so watch them both. Which is also a good episode. Yeah. <laughs> which is also by Matheson. Yep. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It did make me wonder how many, uh, Twilight Zone episodes there were adapted from Matheson. Quite a few. Quite I, I, a I few. was guessing quite yeah. a few. Yeah. Yes. Uh, him and Harlan Ellison wrote quite a few, uh-huh. uh, but they're not adapted. Right. They're original screenplays. Yeah. And there's, there's one other big author. That's that's all I, I I could come up with Harlan Ellison, but not uh, anybody else. Um, I've I think Colin and I have have tossed around the idea. I'm like we need to do some special episodes where we just take a couple Twilight Zone episodes and and talk about them, and maybe maybe like have a listener or somebody else suggest a Twilight Zone episode and come on and talk about it with us, like a barn burner, because most oh. of them are short stories and right, and, you know, be quick quick episodes. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know if you're out there and and you have favorite Twilight Zone episodes that are or are not based on stories. I don't know. To be on our show, they should be based on something, yeah. right? Although we could make. I'm them sure there's enough of them that are that it'll work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. And you know, if you're out there and you're and you're like, hey, you guys, the the point of the story is obviously this, and you're missing it. Um, it's entirely possible that we have completely missed the point. So, um, <laughs> comment on the Facebook post or something, right? And, uh, and correct us. We would appreciate it. Definitely. All right. So moving on. To the Oscar-nominated film, Real Steel. Right. <laughs> um, produced by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Uh, directed by Sean Levy. And spelled R-E-A-L, not R-E-E-L. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have fit totally with our show. Right? Yes. <laughs> like our real future book. It would have been awesome. <laughs> um, uh, Sean Levy is uh, the director of the film, and he, he was one of the producers on Stranger Things. Oh, that's where I recognize that name. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Good job, Mr. Levy. You're probably never going to hear this, but I'm a fan of both of your works. So I, re- I remember seeing the trailer for this one and thinking, that looks like the worst movie in, in history. <laughs> like, it's 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 uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the movie. Yes. Um, right. And I, so, so I did not see it in the theater. And at that point, my son was playing baseball. He was maybe nine years old. Mm-hmm. 2011. Yep. I, the math works out. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, one of the other moms on the team mentioned, oh, we went to see Real Steel. That was such a great movie. And I'm like, okay, whatever, lady. Um, and so then right. later, I think I got it from the library or something and uh-huh. watched it. And I I just have an irrational love for this movie. <laughs> I know. I, I sat there riveted and you saw me during the fight scene. <laughs> yeah, totally. During during the first fight, um, oh no, during the fight with uh, 
Zeus, right? Yes. Zeus and Adam. Colin right. ripping the cup. <laughs> and when, when he finally, when he made it out of the first round, Colin kind of, oh. <laughs> like, oh, he's into it. Um, and then, then he went, I love sports movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. a cool fight. That was a cool uh, end, of, end to the movie, I guess. Yeah. 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 No, Nobody had ever made it past a round with Zeus. So the fact that he just survived that round. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those movies where I feel like the the whole is more than the sum of its parts because it's it's pretty ridiculous. Um, its connective tissue to the story is pretty tenuous. I mean, it's not. I guess sure. it's not a direct adaptation, right? Yeah. Well, let, let's go there for a go second. For okay. So uh, I thought the idea of real steel, excuse me, of steel, was about obsession, right. right? The guy who isn't able to give up what he used to be, and I think that fits our character pretty exactly because yeah, he's yeah. a washed up boxer. He's a divorcee who has a son that he doesn't support. Uh, he's obviously in debt to many people. He's not afraid of cheating someone else. And yet as soon as he loses about the next thing he does is he goes out and he tries to find another robot. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out and get it trashed. Yeah. The I first think, fight. I think the essence is definitely there. They just, it, they turned it, they put a story arc in to make it a movie. Right. Right. Yeah, and so we're we're watching the movie there, and um, it was both Peter and Tim there. Yeah, yeah, um, they were eating lots of your cookies. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're sitting there on the couch, and, and Tim's like, "Wow, I really don't like him." Uh, talking about Charlie, oh, right, the character, oh, and then and then then we meet the kid, and he's like, "I don't like the kid either." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, this is how you establish like an arc. Characters. You start off with unlikable people, right, and then then you know move them towards likable, right." And so in that sense, yeah, I agree that um, there definitely is a good arc there for. For Charlie, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah, if Steel Kelly was uh, obsessed and going to fail, mm-hmm. Charlie, as being redeemed through the movie, is, has a quite different arc. And yeah, it's much more he enjoyable. Did, he kept failing multiple times, and he was just obsessed with keep keep on going, right? I did like the fact that in, when, in that scene where they're in the junkyard looking for parts, they kind of lampshade the whole story. And, and are like, okay, I know there's people who, who want this connected to the story, mm-hmm. and here's what it is. And he talks about the transition from human boxers to... To robot boxers, and right. at first they looked just like people, um, but then they wanted more carnage, and so they started making them more look like Autobots. Right. I feel like uh, I'm not sure if the movie works without Dakota Goyo, though, because I thought just he has unbelievable charisma in the film. Oh yeah, he looks like Jake Lloyd. He kind of does, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, but uh, I like the fact that he never takes any crap from 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 his dad. Yeah, um, it's like he screwed funny. me. You know, I, I was gonna I was gonna be in Tuscany, man. I want half. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, wh- here's the thing, though. My, like my main problem with it, as a as a as a movie that engages the intellect at all, which it doesn't. Um, where are the rest of the robots in this society? If they have sophisticated enough robots mm. to to do robot boxing, shouldn't we see some robots in service? Or I don't know. I didn't think the robots were that particularly sophisticated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're remote controlled. <laughs> None of the robots are autonomous. Okay. And that brings yeah. up something that I, I want to come back to or make sure that we hit before we do, right? All right. the robots were controlled. Yeah. Now, originally I thought Zeus was the first because they talked about how he right. learned from his opponents and he was he would learn faster than them. But then in that final bout, they cut to the two-man control mm-hmm. team, which are making him do things. Yeah, I yeah. think it, uh, it's, yeah, they're not autonomous, but they're it's kind of like assisted, assisted aiming, as it were. Yeah. Assisted fighting. So, yeah, I mean, there's got to be some AI, though, there, right? It's got programming. It's not just all completely controlled, because it learns, right? Right. Uh-huh. Re- rewrites its uh, well, so does, code so did, so did Adam, right? I mean, yeah. so Wolverine was still teaching him how to box. 
<laughs> right. through shadow boxing, but yeah. he was also still on the sidelines with the headset telling him, giving him commands. Right. Right. Yeah. He couldn't fight completely autonomously, otherwise it wouldn't have mattered that the headset broke or mm-hmm. that his uh, audio receiving broke in his head, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Although I would have sworn when Max took the robot out, um, he said, you're really in there, aren't you? And the robot nodded. Yeah, but it may have been a shadow thing. That's true. That's true. Because I thought there was an AI thing. I thought there was an AI subcontext. Because it would explain why why the Russian people and the Japanese robot builder were so obsessed with trying to find this particular little mm. no-name robot. Mm. Um, and so it makes me wonder, right? Is there an element of the story that was lost on the cutting room yeah. floor that they trimmed it for time or interest? Or did I just pick up on something that didn't exist at all? Which never, ever happens. No, no, no. Now, I, I've had that same kind of intuition the first time I saw this movie, actually. I didn't think about it this time around, but the first time I saw it, I had, had that same thought. That this, what made Adam special was some sort of little bit of AI in there. Hmm. Uh, the kid saw it, right? Yeah. Max. Yeah. Max. Yeah. Well, and it, at the end, right, Charlie gets in there and it's like, I don't know if you're in there or not, but, mm-hmm. you know, keep right. your eyes on me. Um there, so I, I've got a whole bunch of articles for the show notes talking about the visual effects and that kind of stuff because that's what it was nominated for. And as I was watching the film, I'm like, these the effects are just fantastic, right? Um, because it's a mixture of practical and CG, mm-hmm. which wins every single time that we've seen it. Um, practical effects are, I think they're harder, yeah, but they look better and they're easier to act against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the articles though that that I um, I'm going to link to, talks about a deleted scene, something that they pulled out because they felt like it was too much of a a nod towards the AI portion of it. Okay. Where, where um, Charlie's getting ready to throw in the towel during the Zeus fight, and Adam, not in any kind of shadow mode or anything, kind of holds up one finger, like one more round. And so, so hmm. but they, they felt like that it didn't, I think it didn't test well. So like, well, if he's an oh, independent okay. robot, this is a yeah. different thing. Right. Though, with the amount of personality that they put into that simple little face... Uh, um, yeah, that was pretty I, I thought awesome. It was actually. remarkable. I thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah. It, really, just eyes, and then the scar on the fencing mask and everything mm-hmm. it looked like a smile. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think you know the the people who did the art design and and the visual effects for this movie deserve a lot of credit. Yeah. And I don't think it won for for visual effects. I think it was up against like Hugo yeah. or something. And I can see one. how maybe the the one more round thing would have been a almost too much because then then it ruins the subtlety of the AI that yeah we're, I, that we're getting yeah. yeah. You know, there are, there are two other awards that the movie did gain. One was for Hugh Jackman, a People's Choice Award for Best Action Star. Mm-hmm. And the other one was for Dakota Goyo, who played uh, Little Max. And that was a Young Artist Award, which I had never, ever heard of before. Mm-hmm. But he also got nominated for a Saturn. Oh, really? Best yeah. Performance by a Young Actor. Nice. Oh, um, cool. I do like that he was named Max. That's it. I like some connective tissue back to the previous oh, Little right? Battling Max O. Yeah. 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 And, you know, the the romance aspect between Charlie and... Uh, Wolverine and Kate. Yeah, Wolverine and Kate. What was her name? <laughs> uh, Evangeline Lilly. No, no. Oh, Bailey. <laughs> Bailey. Bailey. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that worked well because it showed, you know, she loved him but knew that it wasn't going to go anywhere and so she was beginning to distance himself, herself. Mm-hmm. Right. And yet, when he hits rock bottom, where does he go? Right back to her. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's the one that fills him back up with yeah. hope and purpose. And then he goes out. And then wins the fight and loses his son anyway. Right. And that's another case, you know. Boy, I'm not going to spoil Rogue One. (laughs) (laughs) But I wanted Charlie and Max to be together. Mm. And that did not happen. He went with his uh, aunt and adoptive uncle. 
And because that was right. the arrangement, yep. you know, he only got, he only got Max back for one night and maybe things were going to be different in the future. Yeah. I get the impression they are. And I, I did want to right. talk about that is what, what is the right off into the sunset moment at, at the end? What is, what does the future look like? Um, and I do want to get back to that. Yeah. It's, I think it's really just like steel is not about the, ro- the, the, um, the B2 that gets destroyed in the waiting room. Right. Uh, real steel is about Charlie. Right. Because in the end, he's fighting. He's fighting for his son. He's fighting to win. He's got purpose. He's got hope. He's trained. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's it. His is the main story arc. Everyone likes the you know the bot, but uh, Charlie's position in the beginning and the end are going to be quite a bit different. Yeah, yeah. Um, I one other thing I really like about the movie is I like Kevin Durand. I like him as an actor. I, th- I think he's he almost always plays a bad guy because he's like six. Is that the cowboy? Six. Yeah, the cowboy. Because yeah. he's huge. You yeah. know, um, and. Uh, but I love that part at the beginning when, when he's in the ring with the bull. And he's like, I can't hear you over the sound of your robot being destroyed. <laughs> it is so funny. Yeah. Mean, but funny. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Okay. So the dark side of this movie, right? You have Charlie mm-hmm. at, the, at the beginning who's making bad decision after bad decision, right? He's in right. debt to multiple people. He gets that call and he's like, and he used the wrong name. He's like, what? You owe money to the other guy too? <laughs> yes. Um, and I do like when he pretends that his... Right. Cell phone is cutting out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he goes in there and rather than taking the payout that he would have gotten just from fighting the bull, he, you know, bets a 20, 20 grand he doesn't have. Right. And then and then dashes, right, at yep. the end. Which then comes comes around later. You have yep. uh, Chekhov's redneck, you know, who, yeah. who you introduce yeah. at one point is going to have to beat your guy up later. But then they get Noisy Boy. Yep. And instead of doing what Max says, you know, take a, a lower card bout, get some cash and get the heck out of there. He demands the feature bout, right? And loses. And so we see all his decisions, all his bad decisions not working out. And then Max comes in, gets Adam, essentially makes every bad decision that Charlie made, but they all work out for him. And so I, I'm looking 30 years down the road and seeing Max being Charlie. <laughs> Yeah, but Adam, I get the feeling Adam is an improved version of Charlie. So he actually knew how to speak to Noisy Boy. Oh, you mean Max is improved? Max is an improved version of Charlie. Right. And the fact was, like, Charlie didn't take any time to actually learn the combos and stuff on, on Noisy Boy. He's just like, hey, it's awesome. Right. I'm going to take it out and um, take my new Ferrari out and right. go 100 miles an hour and get a ticket. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in some senses, I, I agree. But, but, like, they get that first fight at the zoo. Right, they make it past the the one minute and could just leave with a thousand bucks, right? But instead, he goes double or nothing, which is totally what Charlie would have done. And now Charlie's telling him, "No, take the cash. Just take the cash." But it works out for him, and so so that's kind of I'm I'm looking at that and I'm like, he doesn't make any better decisions than Charlie does. It's just they all work out for him. Yeah, see, I attributed that to hmm. something that Max has that Charlie doesn't, which is what I I don't really I can point to it. Hmm. You know, I think about how he knew, he knew the ins and outs of robot boxing. That's true. And he knew how to speak to Noisy Boy in Japanese. Yeah. Which uh, Charlie, who's supposed to be a fighter, didn't know. Right. Um, it, Apakato it, Nikai. Yeah. <laughs> I think it spoke to his preparedness, his um, his knowledge, whereas Charlie just sound, felt like he was flailing at stuff. Yeah. But even, you know, if you look at that match at the zoo, Max didn't really know what he was doing either. And Charlie was the one who was, he's like, oh, watch that step, you know? And he, so he was right. guiding him through that. And to his credit, yeah. Max realizes, you know how, you know about boxing. I know about robots. And so he's the one who kind of crosses the streams, mm-hmm. gets, gets uh, Charlie to train Adam. Later. 
Yeah. But maybe right. maybe that's the thing that we're start we're supposed to take out of the zoo scene. It's that neither one of them alone hmm. is the right knows how to make the right, right decisions, but between the two of them together. Yeah. Because then you uh you bring that father son bond into it, right? Yeah. And that that's a powerful thing to bring into a story. Sure. As as another father, I can I can agree with you and James can nod politely. <laughs> um I'll take your word for it. Years ago, <laughs> we ended up watching a movie on uh on A&E. And it was Dennis Quaid as a pitcher who had to give up and go to be, he taught high school and he coached high school ball. The rookie. The rookie. And my kids just latched onto it. So oh, yeah. maybe that like liking a sports movie thing is genetic. Yeah. And the thing they liked most about it was the kids encouraging the dad mm. to go out and be a pitcher. Right. And I'm a sucker for a sports movie too. And so so you you, you put robots in a sports movie right. and, and <laughs> it doesn't look like it'll work. And I'm like, yes, yes, that movie is just oh. tons of fun. I didn't even mind the rap music. That's how good that movie was. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they did play Till I Collapse by Eminem. Yeah. I like Anthony Mackie, a small part, but uh, effective. And I, I like that, yeah. that that part where he's like, you know, I like you, dude, but you're a bad bet, but brother. Bad. Telling it like it is. Yeah, that was kind of... Uh, and you call him like the movie. It's a good bottom. redemption story. Totally. <laughs> it's a great redemption story. <laughs> it really is. Oh, <laughs> man. I agree. Robot Rocky. Robot Rocky. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, if, if you really look at it, have yeah. you seen Rocky? Ages uh, ago. Certain of them. Do you know how the first movie ends? No. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> think about this movie. It's pretty much... Pretty much like this movie. Pretty much like this movie. Um, so, Underdog yeah. takes out the champ in the story. No. Well... No, he loses in Rocky. He wins in Rocky too. Oh, right. Whoops, my bad. <laughs> he won, he, lo- he loses by decision, Decision, though, right? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. I get, people's champion. There mm-hmm. you go. Yeah, I uh, there's so many so many parts of the movie that play on my emotions, and I, I man, when I was his age, I had a heart of steel. I'm pointing at James, but, but, but you know, now that I'm in my mid forties, I'm like everything chokes me up now, and so like the the part where um, Charlie's doing the the shadow mode at the end, and you can see he's just in heaven. Um, yeah. and, and you see, you see Bailey looking at him and like, he's beautiful. Um, kind of reaches back to that, um, earlier scene where she was talking oh, about right. his career as a boxer. Yeah. Yeah. He danced. Yeah. He floated. Floated. Yeah. Floated. Inches yeah. above the mat. So you wanted to talk about how autonomous the robots were. I, we did cover some of it. Did we already? I think we, yeah, we walked all the way through it. Okay. You know, Cause I thought it was hinted at a couple of times, you know, why do these why do these very popular uh, promoters and owners care about this one robot? Mm-hmm. What possible reason would they have? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just there were a couple of moments where, you know, where Max is talking to to Adam. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is uh, he looks at himself in a mirror. And uh, because for a while Tim was studying uh, cetacean intelligence because he wanted to be a marine biologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's talks about different marks for intelligence and there's the mirror test and the mark test and other things. And it's like, I knew at that instant, that's what they were trying to do. Hmm. It's like, he not only is looking in a mirror, he recognizes himself in a mirror. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's somebody in there. Yeah. Right. But if they had to drop it because it didn't play well, you'd have to develop it pretty fully and it, it might interfere with other parts. Sure. Okay. So I have a headcanon about what the end of the mo- ending of the movie means. Um, but I w- wanted to find out from you guys what happens after the ending of the movie. So, like, to Max goes back to live with his uh, with his aunt, right? Right. Yeah. Um, what happens with Charlie? What happens with Adam and Max? Wow. What do you What do you think, James? I'd like to think he uh, Max becomes a part time amateur boxer, robot boxer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> with his dad as a coach, because that'd be awesome. Does Adam keep boxing? Yes, of course. 
does he train a, a new legion? It, it really what you need to do is take the very end scene of iRobot and right. splice it in right after the end of Real Steel, and just put Adam in there oh, yeah. instead of Sonny. <laughs> so he walks up over the hill, and all the robots right. look up to him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Colin? What do you what do you think? What what is the what happens at the end? I was left after the end. I was like I mentioned earlier. I was just kind of broken. It's like I wanted Max and Charlie to be together, right? But right. that's not going to happen. Well, um, so do you imagine though that they that Charlie is going to continue to be part of his life, and he's won over the ant essentially? I would hope so. I would think so. Yeah. But if if you take the fifty thousand foot think. view though, um, he has a lot of debts that need to be paid off. Yeah, and he might have some issues with the law to resolve. Possible. So there are some things that I'm hoping for. And there mm-hmm. are things that, you know that I'm afraid are more um, right Steel Kelly based, perhaps. Right, right. Yeah, there's um, a lot of unanswered backstory, I suppose, that hasn't been resolved yet. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, so technically, Zeus did not lose the fight, and so there's no reason for Adam to continue boxing. Although he's probably going to be in pretty high demand for other fights. Yeah. So you know, Adam and Char- yeah, Max and Charlie. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what like you could go back to being kind of a part-time thing and then charlie could pick up another bot for himself to keep going professionally full-time i guess or whatever well the fact the fact that charlie paid bailey for the back rent kind kind of made me think okay as they've been touring around and and winning fights he's been he's been paying you know dispensing his debts right Right. so i i kind of looked at it as by the end of the movie he's clean slate essentially well that's possible yeah but earlier in the film right she bailey confronts him and says this this is the last thing right i mean because you're you're done after this, right? Because because I'm done, right? Um, and so to me, that says he really is. He's retired essentially after that fight, and then he that, that Charlie is now out of the game. Do, What's that? Then what is he going to do? He's going to go marry Bailey and have beautiful babies <laughs> and do what? And do what? Yeah. And run the gym. The gym's failing. He was the only. His rent money was the only thing keeping it alive. Right. But now they've got Adam right. there as an attraction. Mm. But so, Adam is Max's. Right. True, but th- this is kind of this is my head cannon for it. Is is, is, is and, and Max helps out at the at the gym as well. Do um, they live in the same city as Bailey? I thought they were pretty far apart from one another. I don't know that. Yeah, no, it's, it's in that scene where she's like, "You drove five hundred miles for a kiss or whatever." Twelve hundred like, miles for a kiss. Is it twelve hundred? Yeah, oh, that's, that's some kiss. Yeah, yeah. So it makes it seem like they're pretty far away. Yeah, I don't know where it's actually set. I figured it was set in Maynard, Kansas, but oh, well, that could have been or Philly, <laughs> right? Um, I was thinking Philly, just because of Rocky. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyhow, anybody else out there, uh, let us know, what, what do you think happened at the end, or, or after the end, right? What's the post credit scene? What, right. what are they all up to after that? It's a nice way to end the movie, on that upbeat. Because mm-hmm. as you sit and think about it, all these other things kind of come to the fore. But yeah. at that time, in that moment... Kind of makes Max's life seem kind of boring, though, if that's the epitome of it. <laughs> What's he going to do after that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's only 11 years old. <laughs> yeah, he's going to play video games. All right. <laughs> and be really good at them. Yeah. Would a sequel demean this movie? Well, so you can you can look through some of the stuff in the show notes, and, and Sean Levy's kind of talked about it, and, and, and he's like, all the ideas are essentially redoing the first movie, and, mm-hmm. and he's not satisfied with that. Um, right. It's like Karate Kid 4. Yeah, you don't want to retell the same story again. Uh, so are we done here? Uh, oh, we didn't rank them. We got to rank, and we got to got to talk about what we're doing next. Yes. Well, uh, why don't we rank them then? Mm. I haven't actually really thought about this, but yeah, I we'll, we'll do you last then, because normally you do me last. Oh, do we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Why don't you go first? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go movie story Twilight Zone. 
Okay. Um, I think this is one of those rare, rare times where you really do keep the heart of a story in an adaptation and go way beyond where it started and make something much better than it was originally uh, imagined. Maybe mm-hmm. because it didn't end being a horror story. So would you say <laughs> that it's... Would you call it a good adaptation or a good movie that's a loose adaptation? I would call it a good movie that's a loose adaptation. Okay. But I, I think the heart is there. That yeah. obsession, that desperation, that hopelessness. Mm-hmm. That's the middle of the short story. I definitely think that's the beginning yeah. of well, the Well, and in a way, he gets in the ring at the end, too. Because, because right. he's the one actually fighting yeah. Zeus. Because of shadow mode. Yeah. Yes. This is the beauty of short stories. This is why I love doing the short story of the movies. Because you can't argue the, I guess, uh, faithfulness of a short story because it's so damn short. you got to add on stuff to make it to our movie. Yeah, I think, re- I think that makes if, it great. if you just remade that Twilight Zone episode, I'm not sure it would have had the same punch. Right. Yeah, ah, ah. <laughs> hard hitting punch. I am nailing them here today. Dad jokes for the win. Why do we do this? He's gonna kick me out of the room. Aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that beer nail, man. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stuff writes itself. All right, what about you, James? Yeah. Uh, I'm probably gonna agree with Colin. The movie short story than Twilight Zone episode. Okay. Well, when when we did The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, we had three different rankings. We did, yeah. Um, and that looks like we had three same We're back to unanimous here. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you guys. Um, and I agree. It's 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 not yeah. a great adaptation, strictly speaking, right? If you if you want right. to look at how faithful it is. But on the other hand, I do really, I agree with, with Colin that it it does keep the heart of the, the story right. there. It's it's cool. And it's a it's just an extremely fun movie. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Much more fun than the trailer made it look like, like you said, because I thought the same thing. Yeah. The trailer look, made the movie look like it was going to be stupid. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't even about the robots in the movie. No, yeah, not really. Yeah, and that's from the trailer, you get that it's about robots just boxing. I'm like, what? Okay. I, I could build a better trailer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what are we doing next? I think I think we, we farmed out the choice to Tim, didn't we? We did. Uh, oh, did we? Yeah. So yeah, we were we were trying to fill in numbers around to get to fifty. To get right. to fifty, yeah. right? And uh Tim asked if he could pick one of the things. And so I showed him the spreadsheet and he looked at it, looked at it, looked at it, and goes, Firestarter by Stephen King. Does that count? I'm like, <laughs> well, it's science fiction y sure. and it's it's adapted, so yeah, why not? Although we're literally throwing the book at James. Right. He's, re- he's requested. He's just said that we have to buy him some whiskey. <laughs> so I think he's going to need the whiskey more for for reading Dune because Probably. that will be the next one up after that. So if you're out there, yeah. um, Firestarter is not a tiny little book. It's not a not a huge one. No, um, but uh, Dune is an undertaking if you've never read it. Um, so we will be doing that for March. For Firestarter will be our February episode, and Dune will be our our big five zero. Um, because 50 episodes, it's, you know, I was surprised when we got to 10, um, five really, <laughs> and, uh, three, so, and, and, uh, you know, February wait, wait, next month. Wait, the, the 50th something of Dune too? Last year. Yeah. Coinciding those? Yeah. 1966. So if we, if we'd done it last oh. year, that would work. So we'd, right. if we'd have just stepped on the gas a little bit, we could, could have gotten it in, in, <laughs> yes. in the proper year. Um, but we didn't, and it's okay. Oh, well. All right. Yeah. And we're coming up on our, our third, um, anniversary actually of, when we went live and uh, with the feed, Woo-hoo. wow! So three that, years, yeah. I was mid mid February, twenty fourteen. Right. I've worked at jobs for less time. Yes. <laughs> so, so thank you out there to to all of our listeners who have been with us, uh, you know, since the beginning or since whenever you jumped on. 
or if you jumped off and came back, we appreciate that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we'll sign off then. And uh, until next time, may the road rise up to meet you and may you never run out of oil paste. Very canonical of you. Yes. <laughs> uh, you, you have to read the short story to kind of understand that one. What would be, an, would be a better one for the movie? And may your robots take no bull. <laughs> may your robots take no bull. <laughs> Nailing it. Uh, on fire here. Yeah. Uh, good enough. Whatever. Call it good. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Ciao. Yeah. I don't even know if they make oil paste anymore. Right. <laughs> you paid for that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Was it worth it? That's what I want to know. You need to smoke a few more cigars before you try that voice again. <laughs> I guess. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I was trying to think of you know other words that sound like robot or robot and how we pronounce them. And the one I come up with is not. Yeah, but so, it's different having the two syllables, I think. Because then you have sun and ton. So it can be uh instead of o. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Robot. Rot. Sot. Once again, we have word salad with Got Colin Kusky. Lot. Tot. <laughs> Dot. Snot. Cot. There's snot. Snot. But. So OT is definitely O. I agree. At least in English. This has been very edifying. Yes. <laughs> I expect your sister to weigh in about my, <laughs> my use of phonics in here, by the way. Right. Katie, I'm calling you out. Come on. Yep. She, our, at um, Christmas dinner. Um, we got into a fight over Jif or Gif. Oh, no! <laughs> not, a, not a real one. Who won? Um, well, Katie, my sister is studying English as a second language, uh, uh, teaching, you know, and so she's been taking all kinds of linguistics terms. And so she launches into this, well, G-I in the English language is always a hard G. And I said, gigantic. <laughs> and she kind of went, okay, well, that's the exception. Um, <laughs> Giant. Yeah, giant. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's GIF, people. It's GIF. Seriously? It of is. course, you say SATA instead of SATA, too. <laughs> Do you say data instead of data? Depends on if I'm talking about Mr. Data. Yes, Mr. Data. That is his name. <laughs> data is not. All right. Yeah, you know, we're a little far afield. Yeah. Sorry. I, I took us there, but it was fun. We digress. Yeah. <laughs>